All right, good morning again. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1. Uh, that's where we'll be this morning. Um, I have a kind of a little bit of a funny story, maybe funny to you, funnier to me. Uh, but uh, there's a guy named Matt Emmons. He was a uh, professional archer, uh, if that's what you call him. Uh, performed twice in the Olympics. I uh, was known nationally as the number one archer in the world. Uh, and so coming into both the Olympics, most recently Beijing, uh, where he last performed, uh, he had a lot of pressure on him to, you know, do what number one people do, win, right? Um, and so he came in uh, very successful, has a really good background. Uh, and so it comes down to the final shot. Uh, and so where Matt Emmons is lined up, he just has to hit the target to just get the victory. Simple, right? Like, we're not talking about bullseye. We're not talking about anywhere else. It just has to hit the target. Like, can't miss. Just hit the target. We're good. So he lines up, and I mean, I've never been the number one at anything, uh, except for probably just being number one at most okay. Um, But he's lining up, and what was funny is, like, he kind of, like, looks away, almost like, I've got this in the bag, and shoots, and then everybody goes, oh! And it's that moment that he turns to look to realize he had hit the target of the person next to him on the other lane. And so I would love to tell you that that was the only time he did something like that. It has been two consecutive Olympics where he has lined up and has missed the mark uh, on the shot that he's taken. And so it's kind of this picture for me, especially going through the book of Revelation of, man, where am I missing the mark on this, right? Um, So I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news Uh, or the things going on around us, but kind of get a little bit anxious, right? There's a little bit of a fear here. Um, I've heard a lot of people quoting, you know, hey, there's wars and rumors of wars, uh, and this is how we know we're here. We've made it to the end, except they're using that a little bit out of context because Jesus is saying that, and then he'll be like, but that's just the beginning, like, (laughs) right? Not the complete end, it's just the start of it. And I have a hot take, maybe uh, you can agree with me or not, but Jesus ascends into heaven. I believe that was the countdown clock for the end times. So we're also like, I mean, it sounds a little too simple, but I'm a simple mind. Uh, We're one day closer to the end than we were yesterday, and that's going to be the story forever. And so, so many times, and like you're in your connect group and you're discussing Revelation, you're opening it up, you're reading, you're talking about the events, uh, you may be having everything written on a whiteboard, and you're trying to just figure out, and sometimes, not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to just talk about me and my struggle here, sometimes I get me focused on this, and like, how do I suffer, or what, do I avoid the suffering, like, what, what happens, what happens to Colin, and then I care, right? Uh, Pastor Blake had been kind of talking through uh, just his heart uh, for ministry and just what it looks like for him, even just preaching this. And it kind of was convicting of, man, I, like, I am caught up in a lot of details. Or I get, even just sometimes re- hearing, hey, we're going to be in Revelation. I'll be like, ah, oh, yes, great. <laughs> you know, reading and tone out some stuff here or there. But I miss the mark on the sense of Like, that should really just be kind of a warning. Hey, the end is near. I've got to tell everybody I know. And it's not to be the person on the street corner holding up the sign that says, turn or burn, the end is near. Like, maybe useful in some places, but what about the person who lives right next door to you? Like, I know for me, we, uh, like in the apartment complex we're living in right now, 
There's like three new neighbors that we have, and I don't think I've said a word to them. Like, if we're just, if this is a safe place to say that, right? Of like throwing out like, hey, I'm failing really big here. But like, even sometimes like sitting next to people at football games or volleyball games, supporting students, doing my quote unquote job, I will miss opportunities to just share. Like, I even have like the easiest opening line of like, hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a student pastor. Instantly, instantly becomes something they don't want to talk about, but it also becomes a real simple like challenge of like, here, this is what I believe, this is why I do what I do. And like we so many times, like we get so focused on details of revelation, we, we can miss out on the real point that Jesus has already came. There was one time that he has come, but he's coming again. And the first time he came is what Paul's talking about in Timothy, but it should be a motivating uh, factor for us to not miss out the, the reality of the second coming and what do we do in the times between the times, right? Like, I feel like, just for me, that there's so many conversations I've missed out on and I'm being constantly reminded every Sunday that the end is near, is coming, this is a reality. If all scripture is inspired by God and is able to be taught, then revelation should be the teaching factor of we gotta tell right? Like, we've got to share. We've got the greatest message of all time, but sometimes we just miss the mark. Uh, so in 1 Timothy, I'm going to look at chapter 1, verse 12, uh, and what Paul is writing here is he's going to tell us a couple things about the love of Christ, and he's going to say that the, the love of Jesus is empowering, it's overwhelming, and it's for everyone. And I want us to dive into God's word here and see uh, where I would get those truths from. Uh, from Paul's uh, challenge to Timothy. He says this in verse 12, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are uh, to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, to kind of press pause and see here, Timothy is getting a letter. He's almost getting like a, a seminary degree, like pretty much put in front of him. Like, it's a lot of just great inspirational uh, truth uh, and reminders and just challenges. And, and Paul's writing this to Timothy as like a, a son in the faith. And a lot of this is really just for Timothy's sake in the hard days, right? Uh, so I don't know, we kind of just mentioned it a little bit. We can get caught up in the rat race of life and uh, doing all the things that it takes just to survive in this world and kind of need some healthy reminders, Right? Uh, so I don't know about you, maybe you've had a mentor in your life, uh, somebody who's older and who's poured some uh, great encouragement into you. Uh, mine is a guy named Ricky Rigsby. Uh, that dude loves Jesus, he's passionate about Jesus, tells everybody he knows, uh, and that was always just this challenging factor of, man, I, I need to be like Ricky in that. But Ricky also had some practical just day-to-day -day truths that he would share. Uh, and he even had like some rules to life, you know, so if somebody says like, hey, uh, can you go this extra mile for me? He would say like, not only go the extra mile, but go two extra miles, like work really hard. Uh, and you know, just kind of doing those things like as just reminders for me in life. 
And so Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's saying, hey, here are some reminders for life. Here's some reminders in ministry. And I'm just going to tell you, as a person in ministry, you have some busy weeks, and you can kind of lose sight of what's really important. Uh, so I've got some pictures on the screen uh, to show you just a couple. Uh, these are just from two uh, events that we've done as a student ministry. And in fact, we just got done with one over fall break called Spiritual Renewal Week. Uh, and it was a big week of just us saying, hey, we want to focus on Jesus while we're in town for our fall break. Um, but these two events are uh, pictures on my phone. Uh, one of them is from an island night, so we told everybody, dress up like you're a tourist, uh, go into an island, uh, have some fun, we'll have some Kona ice, uh, and you see some smiles behind me. Uh, the other one was from this past August. Uh, and so this past August, we did a, a tailgating party in the back. Um, we had a couple people from our church just share the gospel. We had 140 students in attendance, and that's not a humble brag. Uh, we had a lot of just uh, students who wanted to have further gospel conversations from that point. I have a thousand photos or pictures on my phone just from student ministry events. And here's why. One, I'm too lazy to delete stuff, okay? But two, I need some reminders sometimes of why do I do what I do? Like if I'm in the position of student pastor at Gateway, then the enemy, Satan, is really gonna try to really look at my, my purpose and my why and say, let's attack that. Because if he can lead per without purpose or lead without a why, then he'll forget why he's trying to do what he's trying to do. And so I look back at these and I, I see smiles, I see a lot of faces, uh, I see some big moments, some highlights. I even look back to Mission Arlington, which by the way was my first week on the job, uh, and it's been fast and furious ever since. And I just look back at those as reminders of like, hey, I'm called to student ministry to see God do stuff in students' lives uh, just like he did in mine. Uh, my junior year in high school was a big turning point for me. And so I always use that as that, that reminder and that motivation of like, man, you, you have a lot of opportunity here to keep going, to keep seeing Jesus do stuff in students' lives. And this is what Paul is writing to Timothy because sometimes you can be doing ministry and it gets really tough. I mean, a couple chapters later, he's even gonna say, hey, don't let anybody look down on you just because you're young. Like, Timothy obviously is going through some like mental, like, not breakdowns, but like just hardships, and Paul's speaking life into him. And like, praise be to God, we actually get this preserved over time for a reminder and encouragement for us. And so for some of us, we've been a believer for a really long time. We've just missed the mark and losing sight on what that means for us. For others, maybe this is the first time we've walked in the church in a really long time because we have a bad view of God. Or maybe you were just invited and you don't really even know like, how to spell Jesus at all. So no matter where you're at, I believe what God has for us in this passage is just really just pure motivation and not in a self-help type of way, but I'm talking about pure motivation as in gospel motivation. Because what Paul's writing here is stuff Timothy already knows, but it's just the simple reminder of we're all called, and Jesus' love is so great. So Jesus' love speaks to us in three different ways. The first way is that Jesus' love is empowering. Uh, that can be like a buzzword, and you're like, okay, what is he doing here? Because we're, we're seeing a lot of empowerment movements, uh, right? People are searching for purpose. They're searching for power. Uh, they want uh, to be seen. They want to be known. And what Paul says here is like, hey, Jesus' love is empowering. 
I mean, look back to the very first verse in verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to a service. Uh, so many times we're, we're kind of getting caught up and we, we forget our purpose, but a lot of times we forget that like, our purpose is found in Jesus. And so, like he's saying here, Paul's writing and he's like, man, I, I praise him because he's judged me faithful. Uh, I kind of like looked at that and was like, man, that's weird, harsh. How do you say it? Most translations would even just say that uh, he picked him out. He chose him. And so he's like, man, I thank him because he judged me faithful and he appointed me to his service. And so many times when we don't know what our purpose is, it's like not that you would just like go out and just do whatever. It's not that you would have the nicest house in the neighborhood or have a thousand different cars or anything like that. All those things are good, but it could catch you up in a twist there. But he's like, man, hey, Jesus' love is empowering because it gives me purpose. I'm his servant, right? This is more than just volunteering for a bake sale. Paul's writing here, and he's like, I gave my life to this. And when he's writing here, and he's saying, man, I'm, get, I'm strengthened by the love of Christ, like, where is my strength found? It's found in Jesus Christ. And so many times I've, I've heard this statement, but how do I know what my purpose is? My purpose in life is to know God and to make him known. Like, that's simple. I, I remember even talking to my mentor when I was like, I want to be a basketball coach, but also want to do student ministry. And I would even justify it. And this is true. Like, it, you can use it like this. This is a truth. That I would be like, man, I'm going to be a student pastor to my basketball team. Except I wasn't going to be like that. I was going to really look at the wind column and see and judge everything off of that. God knew my heart. Uh, so he's like, no, full-time ministry, right? I thank him that he called me to that. That I didn't call myself. And I thank him that he, he placed me there. That I didn't place myself. I, I praise him that in January of this past year, that I get an email from Blake Switzer saying, hey, we'd love to have an interview with you. That was all God-ordained and God uh, put into place. But I want you to see your purpose in life is to know God and to make him known no matter what your position is at work. No matter what you do from your nine to five, it's to know God and to make him known. And we really love the know God part because we really love information. We love to gather stuff. We'll read all the commentaries. The book of Revelation, you can get a lot of knowledge we struggle with the make him known part. And sometimes we'll use the, like, it's not even an excuse, like, I get it, there's emotions attached to this. I just don't know if I'm qualified to share my faith. What if I mess up? What if I do this? What if? We don't serve a what if God. We serve a more than God. That he can do more than anything we could ever think and imagine. No matter even if there's physical limitations to who you are or your story, that God can do more than through you. And he even says here, Paul is like even talking about like, hey, my former life, there was a lot to it. But he's empowered me. He's appointed me to service. He has called me to this. And God is calling you to the same thing, to know God and to make him known. Like to have a personal relationship with them and to make that relationship public by saying, hey, I'm going to tell everybody I ever meet. That's what it comes down to. And so many times we're like, but I, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at public speaking. Hey, neither was I. Like if you would have looked at me in 11th grade and then see me now, like a whole lot of change. Why? Because God has strengthened me and he's equipped me. 
but it's about us just being faithful and saying, hey, I'm going to be obedient to the call that he has on my life. He will empower me. He will give me strength. In fact, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And that is your, your spiritual gifts comes from the Holy Spirit. Like, so him empowering is not just like this like magical 180 turn. No, it's just the spirit working in you. You becoming more like Jesus and, and surrendering more of your life and him empowering and putting you in places that you never would have imagined. Like, I would have never imagined being a student pastor in the DFW area. Born and raised, I'm like born technically in Garland. We moved to East Texas when I was six months old. Like, lived in East Texas, have done East Texas ministry like my whole entire life. And it's crazy, but it's all God because he empowers us. And so maybe like you're kind of hindered by fear, which Timothy would also be told from Paul that the spirit of fear is not from God. Like that's not from him, that's from the enemy. But he does give us a power of sound mind. And so maybe there's just some realities that you're holding back to or there's things that you're saying, well, God can't use this or God won't do this or I can't do this. And you're right. Because God can. The Spirit of God that lives in us, the Holy Spirit, empowers us to do things we never would have thought or imagined. But it's the love of Christ that he looks past our mistakes, that he looks past the, the limitations here on earth, and he empowers us to do some amazing things. I mean, look at Paul's life. He travels and he preaches. He's even found in a, a jail cell more times than not. But he's empowered by God to do those things. Like, I know for me, if I'm in a jail cell, I'm not singing hymns. Like, I'm calling everybody I know. Like, hey, can you help? Paul's like, man, this is an opportunity that you're going to put me in prison. I'm just going to share you're going to kill me, I'm going to share the gospel with the person who's going to kill me. But it's empowered by God. Empowered by God. Jesus' love is empowering. Uh, I was talking with one of our students. Uh, her name is Jenna Juries. Uh, she was up here on Thursday. She had stayed behind after all the students had left. I was kind of talking about this story I was going to use, and she was talking about her life. Uh, and so I, what I loved is Jen was like, man, I, I have a fear of public speaking. I don't like to talk in public. Even in her connect group, she will even say like when somebody's like, hey, who wants to pray for us? She never raises her hand because she doesn't want to pray in public. Like she, she has that fear. What I love is Jenna here in a couple weeks is actually going to get in front of uh, the Fellowship of Christian Students at Wiley High. And she's going to share a message on her heart. Not because she's wanting all the fame and the glory, because you just heard she has that fear. She wants, she wants none of that. But because she feels like God's just calling her to do it. And she's been a leader in our student ministry, not because like of all the like giftings that she's had on her own or, or maybe just even heart. Like she is a leader in our student ministry because she's allowing God to empower her. She's allowing God to work through her. And so Jesus' love is empowering. Paul continues and he says, Jesus' love is overwhelming, right? It's overwhelming. Uh, I agree with Paul here because I'll even talk about this. He says in verse 13, uh, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So if you highlight in your Bible or underline in your Bible, I want you to underline those words, blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent. 
This is how Paul's describing himself. Uh, he was a blasphemer. He was speaking against God's truth. He was uh, talking and really trying to spread lies about the, the movement that became Christianity. Uh, he was a persecutor. I mean, when we look at the book of Acts, they, they murder Stephen. He's the first martyr of the church. And they throw his ro- Stephen's robes at the feet of Paul. He smiles and signs off on it. Like he's literally trying to stop the movement physically. Like, uh, and even just then, he's an insolent opponent. Like, he's even saying about himself, I was rude and arrogant against God. Like, he didn't think about God or really Jesus in this moment. He didn't think about Jesus as, like, a strong force or the Son of God. He was rude and arrogantly trying to speak up against it. He's an insolent opponent. And, I mean, the reality is, as we see that, and if you if I've studied the Bible before, Paul is kind of being harsh about himself, but he's being real and honest and humble enough to see the depravity of his sin, like his lowest moment, and just calling it as it is, saying, this is who I was. And he's like, man, here's this. This is the sinful Paul. And then he looks at the grace of God and says, but he didn't just look over that and just say, like, wow, it is. No, he died on the cross for his sins. And Jesus finds him on the road and speaks, puts him into a physical blindness because he needed to see, hey, not only are you physically blind in this moment, you're spiritually blind too. And you need to see me for, for who I am. And he gets to this point where he's like, man, I, I look at the weight of my sin and I look at the goodness of God, and it just, his love for me is just overflowing. Right? Some of us uh, may be aware, like uh, Amazon had some Prime Day deals uh, for the last couple uh, days. Target also trying to cash in on that. They also had that. So maybe your cart was filled with stuff to the point where you would even describe it as overflowing. That's a good picture of God's grace. That is more than your cart could handle. God's love is more than you could handle. And it's even like him looking at you at your worst moments. Romans 5 would even say that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us so much that he still went to the cross even though knowing we would reject him and reject his plan. And I won't even talk here, like let's uh, pick on a, a sin or two. One maybe not as well talked about is like maybe a sin of anger. Uh, and we can be clear, Paul, even, Paul would write this, uh, Jesus would say this, like, hey, be angry, do not sin. But let's talk about the anger that boils in your heart towards somebody, and it keeps going and going to the point where it's, made you, it's led you down a path of sin. Like a hate towards one's, somebody else. Like anger so much that you, you would even say, hey, I hate that person. The reality is, is like what you've just done is you've gone against God's plan for not only life, You've gone against God's plan for relationship. That you would know, that people would know that you belong to me because of your love for one another. But if I have anger in my heart, and it's stewing, it's bitter, it turns into a cold shoulder, then it turns into a, I'm going to put you on red, not going to respond to the text. Then you start to talk bad about other people. What you've just walked into is something you can't handle. That sin is uh, like just overpowered in this moment. And you've given it, uh, like given into it and walked and walked. But now you're starting to gossip. And it's just led down this like path of just terrible decisions. And you could find yourself where Paul says, and he's like, I always a blasphemer against God and his direction, his design for life. 
I was persecutor. I was all of these things. But the love of Christ overflowed for me. I think about when I was seven years old and I gave my life to Christ. I was a good kid. Like, always at church. Grew up in a small church, so like my mom was like the unofficial kids minister simply because she had two of the kids in, out of three in kids ministry. Um, so like kind of just volunteered herself there. So like I remember knowing a lot about God. Like probably more than the pastor would have been able to say and communicate at some points just because I was like, man, I got this. I know what this is. But it was at seven years old when I, I hear a story and it was an illustration to paint out the picture of God's love for me. It was in that moment that I became desperately, like, broken over my sin at seven. That knowing even lying to my parents, as little as that is, was really destructive to the kingdom. It was really just destructive to God's design for life. And so I became aware of my brokenness. Here, Paul's just becoming aware of his brokenness. He's like, man, I was a blasphemer and persecutor. I was an insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I'd acted, in ignorant, acted ignorantly in unbelief. But the grace of our Lord, it overflowed for me. Uh, the Greek word there is huperchino. Uh, it's real easy to remember because hooper in Greek is super, uh, and, or rhymes with it like a lot, super and hooper. Uh, and it's, this chino, just it, it's too much. And so it's an overabundance of God's love towards us. And really, Paul's saying here, like, hey, I, I've, I've acted ignorantly, I've sinned, but the grace of our Lord, it overflowed for me. And so many times, like, we, we don't understand the depth of God's love because we've never really taken a look at the depth of our sin. Or maybe we've gotten cold to the depth of God's love towards us because partially we've forgotten who we were, like, before we met Jesus. You want to know the motivating factor for sharing my faith? It's because I was a good kid who had it all right. I thought if like, I would have died at seven, would have gone to heaven uh, and been with Jesus forever simply just because of my good works until I was graciously reminded it was never about my good works, that I couldn't have earned my way into heaven. And if I could, then why would Jesus die on the cross for me? And so like, becoming aware of, like, hey, I'm, I'm in a desperate need for a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Even in that moment, it's always been this motivating factor of I thought I was found, but I was really still lost. And I needed Jesus to save me. And so it kind of comes to this point that Jesus' love is for everyone. Jesus' love is for you as a believer. It is also for you as a sinner. We don't graduate from grace, you know, ISD. Like, there's, there's not a graduating point in our faith we need Jesus on our best and our worst. We need Jesus all the time. And Jesus' love is for everyone, meaning like even if you think that you are perfect and you, you know a lot about God, you have all the knowledge in the world about God, but you literally don't have a relationship with him, Jesus' love is for you. Like maybe there was a moment where you did the whole walk down the aisle, I got baptized, you did all of the things, but you've never had a relationship with God you did not like, have a true understanding of what it means to be a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus' love is for you. When I mean, we just talked about the depth of Paul's depravity, his sin, 
read Philippians and he'll tell you like, man, I was the super, like, super follower of Christ or what I thought. Like, man, I, I knew God's rule. I knew God's law. I had it memorized. I did all of these things. His resume is impressive. And as much as he was caught up in maybe what he thought was the things of God, he did not have a relationship with Christ. He did not see Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the tomb as a thing he needed. So maybe when's the last time you were overwhelmed by God's love, but when's the last time you actually saw it as for you? Like you've, maybe you've been here at Gateway for a long time or you've grown up in the church, but you've just missed Jesus. You've missed the mark. Romans would tell us that we are all sinners that all of our sin has allowed us to, uh, and really pushed us to a point where we have to realize we've fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning in his perfection and his goodness, we have fallen short, we've missed the mark. And that we need him to save us from our sins. Just like we read about uh, earlier in John 8, we're, we're trapped, we're, we're a slave to our sin. There's freedom. There's freedom. That Jesus died on the cross. He took your place. If we're all sinners, then what we deserved is death. Romans would tell us that as well. And what he's saying here is like, hey, if that's what we deserve, then really Jesus didn't just sweep our sin under the rug and said, ah, you know what, deal with it later. No, he dealt with it on the cross. That he took your place. And if, like for some of us, we know the gospel message, and that's it. But we have forgotten it in our heart, or maybe it hasn't stirred our affection for Jesus in a while. So we won't share the gospel with somebody because we've kind of partially fallen out of love with the gospel, really fallen out of love with Jesus. And so the reality is, is Jesus' love is for everybody. No matter where you fall on the, the self-righteous spectrum, whether you realize, like, man, I'm, I'm like the, the version of Paul that knows I'm a sinner. I know that I'm in the desperate need of him. Or maybe you're like, man, I'm really good. But you've forgotten if you even have a relationship with Christ or you don't even know. You've been just doing the checklist of faith and never really just seen Jesus and fallen in love with him. So why, why do we share the gospel? It's because of this. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory and forever and ever. Amen. Paul ends here with a message, and he's saying, hey, this saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance, that Christ came to save sinners. That was the first coming of Christ. What we read about in Revelation is the second coming of Christ. Guys, it's to save sinners. It's to save sinners from the judgment day. It's to remove him from uh, that moment, remove the church. But we're all sinners. We're all in desperate need of a savior. And so he, his second coming is probably one that is really just filled with justice. And it, it, we could even say he's going to make things right, and he is. 
but it's to save the world from the brokenness once and for all. And what he did on the cross is he died in our place so that we could place our faith in him and say, God, I I trust that what you did on the cross was enough to save me. And so this room is filled with people uh, and we, we can fall into two different areas. One is we could have never given our life to Christ. We've never surrendered to him as Lord. We may have done a bunch of things in Jesus' name, but we've never surrendered. And that's the call of response. But the same is true for those who have surrendered their lives, who have given their lives to Christ. It's to tell people about the trustworthy saying that's worthy of full acceptance that Jesus died, that he came to save sinners. So share your story. Share your message. What I want to do is we're going to start our time of invitation. I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes. This is going to be in two parts, but this first time, I just want to call for a time of response. If you're for the first time maybe realizing your need for a Savior, you're seeing the weight of your sin, even as simple as just something of walking in anger and living in that anger, your hate towards somebody else and how all of that sin put Jesus on the cross. And this is the first time you're becoming aware. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, like, I've done the church thing. I've done all the right things. But I've never lived my life in total surrender to him. And I need Jesus to save me. What I want you to do, and just the, nobody's looking around, I mean, this is a safe spot, is if you come to those terms and realizing you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you need Jesus to save you and to change your life, I just want to invite you to just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can still have your head bowed and eyes closed. But if you had raised your hand, I'll be in the Next Step Center. We have people in the Next Step Center who want to talk with you. And so while in a minute, when we all stand up, we're all singing a response. I would love for you to just go and meet us, to say, hey, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to make him the boss of my life, maybe for the first time. I need him to change me. That's what I'm calling it. If you didn't raise your hand, then the message for you, the response for you, is for you to just go and tell everybody you know. You would just tell the world about, hey, this is who I was, but this is how Jesus changed my life. That you would be just like the annoying person who can't stop talking about the love of Christ. That that would be your message. That you would preach the gospel of hope to everybody you see. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into uh, just this time of response. But I'm asking you that anytime we open God's word, it demands a response to move how God is calling you to. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you for this day. I thank you for how you're already moving, Lord. I'm asking that I would get out of the way and that you would provide clarity where clarity is needed. God, I'm asking that you would just continue to move all morning. But God, just stir in us this burden for the loss. Stir in us in this moment just an opportunity for us to respond to your good news. That you died, that you came to save sinners. God, let us be desperately aware of our situation and, and let us examine our hearts to see 
where we're at in our relationship with you. And if we don't have one, Lord, let today be the day of salvation. And if we do, let us be almost addicted to making heaven crowded and just sharing the good news. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.